So we continue our investigation into the nature of the way. As we saw yesterday, uh, the way of yoga is the way out of suffering, the way of uh, release of suffering and achieving the good or the pleasure, the bliss that we want. We saw that uh, each way has a uh, a goal and if we follow the way from our starting point if we follow the instructions uh, for sure we will reach so also the way of yoga has the goal of full uh, release from suffering and if we follow the instructions we will uh, reach for sure only it's a matter of uh, how much we follow and uh, if we stop on the in the middle of the way it's only going to take us a little bit more time and then we started to talk about uh, the way to release from suffering as presented through the model of uh, suffering, or we can say the model of uh, release from suffering. And uh, we saw that uh, first we must uh, establish the fact that suffering is unavoidable, that it is going to be part of our life, and we're not talking about uh, big tragedies or things like this. It is this little suffering that is there in our daily life in the form of uh, pain or some kind of discomfort or irritation or dissatisfaction can be these uh, little manifestations of sufferings in our of suffering in our life uh, were you able to see yesterday a little bit of suffering now and then yeah was it Good. <laughs> I'm very happy. So, uh, <laughs> this suffering is there, is unavoidable. This is what we have to understand. And for yoga, this suffering is not a problem. Uh, for yoga, this is a very good starting point, realizing the suffering that is inherent in all things. And uh, we saw because they are changing, because of habits, because of the changes of qualities, this uh, suffering that is uh, realizing the suffering that is inherent in all things is actually a motivation for us to uh, find the solution and uh, we talked about how the yogis when they realize that uh, we all all the time try to um, avoid suffering and to achieve good and we don't manage to do it then this rose the question is there a way so every time you see yourself suffering uh, it's not because something is wrong with life. Uh, you can use it as a motivation to say, okay, let me investigate more deeply into the way and see if really there is a way or if there are techniques that lead to the release of suffering. Uh, so we talked about this, that the suffering is unavoidable. And then uh, the second part of this uh, way, we said there is a reason why we suffer. Um, do you remember the reason why we suffer? What is the cause of suffering? Hmm? The association with... Uh, hmm. The association? Of, with? Uh, um, with what we feel or what we see. Mm -hmm. Very the good. Situation we're in. Very good. The association of us, the ones who are aware, the ones that experience, with the experience itself. Uh, what yoga calls avidya is a lack, it translates as lack of knowledge. We don't know who we are. We think we are something different than who we are. We think we are our emotions, our ideas, our feelings. And because of that, we suffer. And uh, we can see that uh, if, if we check, eventually we will see that the suffering is always in how we feel. This is what causes us suffering. If I see a cat 
uh, dead on the road and I suffer because of that? It's not the cat that I perceive. It is the feeling that I have when I see the dead cat that makes me suffer. Can you connect to that? Or the feeling that I have when uh, the, uh, the weather is too cold and I am uh, not comfortable with the coldness. So it is always the way we feel that causes us to suffer and it's because we associate ourselves with the way we feel, with what we think, with our emotions that uh, there is suffering. And this is very optimistic because uh, when we understand this, we realize that the suffering is not in the things themselves. A dead cat is not a reason for suffering. Uh, some sadness or depression is not a reason for suffering. Um, it is the knowledge that we have or the lack of knowledge that we have that uh, causes us to experience these things as suffering. Um, any questions about uh, this idea? So this was uh, the second truth in this way of uh, suffering. And then we can uh, proceed to the next one, the third one. And the third one says something very nice. It says, uh, uh, we can live life without suffering. We can live life without suffering. And uh, it is interesting to see that uh, the first uh, truth in this way, the first part that we met, was uh, saying uh, suffering is unavoidable in this life. And the third one says, but you can live life without suffering. So in a way it seems like a contradiction. Uh, so how can we solve this, uh, what seems like a contradiction? Suffering on one point is unavoidable, but you can live life without suffering. How is that possible? <coughs> observing suffering, no? We, mm -hmm. I guess the experience. Story, but we know, mm -hmm. we understand what, is, what we are. Mm -hmm. Okay. How uh, not to be, mm -hmm. or not identify with, or not say that we suffer. Just look at it. Mm -hmm. Okay, good. You wanted to say something? <laughs> you can still experience mm -hmm. the same thing, like you mm -hmm. step on the nail, but you put a different spin on it. Mm -hmm. Okay, and what is the different spin? That it's not my suffering, there's, there's some pain happening, mm -hmm. but I don't own it. Mm -hmm. Very good. So we can say, as long as we have wrong knowledge, as long as we have this avidya, then uh, suffering is unavoidable. But if we make this change of knowledge, if we go out of avidya, then we will realize uh, we can live without suffering. Okay? So uh, there is uh, a way to live without suffering because the suffering is not inherent in the things themselves. It is, there is only a cause there of our lack of knowledge. So we can already understand that if we change this knowledge, we can change the experience of suffering. Um, another thing we talked about yesterday, and I will just uh, mention, uh, we saw how from this lack of knowledge develops eventually that uh, manifests the, the suffering in our life through identifying with everything we go through uh, and then trying to hold to what is pleasant, trying to reject what is not pleasant, and eventually we, we live in fear all the time that something that is dear for us is going to be taken, or that we are not, or that something that we don't want is going to come. And also, you had this. Um, um, I ask you to try to see it how all day we try to hold 
for the pleasant uh, experiences and reject the unpleasant experiences. Were you able to see it? Did it? Yeah? So, you see, we are different people, but all of us, the system works the same eventually. Uh, we look the same things and we um, automatically work in the same way. So, uh, we have... The suffering is unavoidable, but there is a reason why we suffer, and this is the association between ourselves and whatever we experience. But we can live without suffering, and uh, Patanjali says it very nicely in um, chapter 2, sutra number 16. And he said, uh, suffering that hasn't occurred yet can be avoided. And for me, this is something very important. Uh, suffering that has not yet occurred can be avoided. Uh, when I read this sutra, what I hear is first, is that suffering that already exists is going to be there. This we cannot avoid. So if you are already in an experience of suffering, you're going to suffer. The experience is already there. The suffering is already there. This cannot be avoided. But the future suffering, the suffering that has not yet come, this can be avoided. Um, in what way can it be avoided? How can it be avoided? Very good. By changing the knowledge, by uh, uh, doing, in a moment we are going to see the process of going out of this avidya, out of this association between ourselves and the experiences, and then the future experiences are going to be already viewed from a different knowledge. But if you already suffer, what does it mean? Past knowledge. Hmm? What? Hmm? That you are identifying it with... Uh... Exactly. That you are already identifying with the experience and this is why you suffer. And uh, it is very nice. I invite you to check it during the day. Uh, try to see the moments where you are... when you suffer, when you have uh, the experience of suffering, and ask yourself in this moment... Do I identify with what is going on or do I, do I have an understanding that I am separated from this? And you will always see that at that moment you have full um, identification with whatever you experience. If you have a physical pain, you completely identify with the body at that moment. You are sure that you are the pain, you are the body. Uh, if you have some, I don't know, mental um, suffering because you are sad or depressed or angry, doesn't matter why, and you will check, you will see that at that moment you have full identification with the experience you have. So it's a nice game to see the connection between the suffering and our association with uh, whatever we experience at that moment. Um, questions? So, uh, there is a way to live without suffering. It is possible in this life to live without suffering. And then we come to the fourth truth in this process. And it says, uh, the way out of suffering is right knowledge. And why is the way out of suffering is right knowledge? Why is the way out of suffering is right knowledge? Because if you know the true nature of everything, mm -hmm. there is no reason to suffer. Why there is no reason to suffer? You don't associate yourself. Very good. Okay, so we have to be very specific here. 
when we have right knowledge, then we don't have wrong knowledge. And if we don't have wrong knowledge, then there is no reason for suffering because the only reason why suffering was there or the reason for suffering, the cause for suffering was the wrong knowledge. Okay, so if I cancel wrong knowledge, I cancel suffering. This is the idea. So what is the antidote for wrong, wrong knowledge? Right knowledge. Because wrong knowledge and right knowledge about one thing cannot exist at the same time. It's either I have right knowledge or I have wrong knowledge. Or if I want to talk more in the words of yoga, since we said this wrong knowledge is actually translated avidya as lack of knowledge, so it is either I lack knowledge or I have the knowledge. And then if I have the knowledge, I don't lack knowledge. And then if I don't lack knowledge, there is no reason for suffering, then suffering will not come. It is this simple. Um, so, so can you yeah. can you say the the third truth is that there we can live without suffering. This is the third one, mm-hmm. and then the fourth is uh, if you have knowledge or if you have right knowledge, then uh, you will not suffer because then wrong knowledge or lack of knowledge will not exist, and the cause of suffering will not be there. And uh, we can see it in the sutras how uh, wonderfully Patanjali puts it. In uh, chapter num- chapter two, sutra I will give a few uh, few sutras because he talks about it quite a lot. And uh, sutra twenty five, chapter two, he says, uh, when this uh, conjunction between us and the experience is uh, gone, there is the ending of uh, the wrong knowledge or the avidya, the lack of knowledge and then uh, there is the liberation of the seer of, of, or the liberation of ourself from suffering. Um, it's, uh, yeah, it's nice to um, go a little bit to the Sanskrit words to describe this, um, this um, uh, state of without suffering uh, he uses the word kaivalya. Kaivalya actually means aloneness, um, to be alone, but uh, not alone like we think that I am alone, you know, because there are no people around me, but to be separated from. This is the idea of this aloneness. So uh, when we are no longer attached or uh, mixed with our emotions, with our ideas, with our whatever, thoughts, and we perceive our true nature as separated from all of this, this is the state of Kaivalya, this is the state uh, free of suffering. And then, even if there is an experience of suffering or difficulty, where is this experience going to be? Hmm? Outside of us, because we are in the state of alone, we understand that this is different than us. For me, this is something very special because uh, the yoga doesn't try to cancel anything. It doesn't try to change the way you feel. You can still feel exactly the same feelings. You can still be depressed. You can still be anxious. You can still be angry. You can still be sad. You can still, in a way, suffer. But if you realize that you are different than all of that, that all of these things that I have said now are experiences, but you are the one that experience, 
you are not the experiences themselves, then uh, you are released from the suffering of that. So it is only when we mix ourselves with all, with all of these things that they cause us to suffer. But the same things will exist in our life, but without causing us to suffer if we realize our aloneness, our kaivalya, our separation from them. Um, most of the systems that I know that are um, meant to help people to go out of suffering always involve changing what we feel. For example, psychology tries to change what we feel. Um, it's a positive thinking. Tries to change what we feel. Uh, many methods try to relax us or try to do to change the the system. And yoga doesn't try to do all of that. Uh, and well, it's a nice question. Why yoga doesn't try to change what we feel or the state of the system? Because it doesn't matter. Very good. Because it doesn't matter. And what what can we say about all of these things? Yeah, they are, they are going to be changing anyway. They are going to be temporary. And all of us know it. That uh, whenever we try to hold, for example, positive thoughts, how long were we able to do it? When we try to, when we have achieved relaxation, how long were we able to stay relaxed? All of this is always changing. And do you remember the change is the cause of what? Suffering. Suffering. Yeah, there is because of the things changing, they have this um, potential for suffering. So uh, yoga realizes this and say, what's the point in trying to change here something and to hold it? Well, well. Um, Anyway, this is doomed to be, you know, to, to, not, to not succeed, to fail. So, instead of trying to change something here, change your knowledge about it. The moment you understand that you are already free from everything, then finally everything can exist and it, without being a source of suffering. And I will also say this, many times people think that in the yoga, uh, it tries to cancel some emotions or maybe make us a little bit like... Uh, you know, all the time in equanimity or something like this. But it's exactly the opposite. Finally, we can feel everything. Finally, we can experience... <laughs> 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 Finally, we, we can experience the highs and the lows of life without trying to bring them to the middle. And we can experience everything and we are free from the suffering that they might bring when we have the wrong knowledge. Do you understand this idea? For me, it's very powerful. Uh, yes? Would you say it's like a pure, of what you're teaching, it's like rational, very mm -hmm. rational, and I can understand it. Mm -hmm. But give me five minutes over there, <laughs> and it's gone. Mm -hmm. You know, like, but rational things, like I always remember, don't put your hand in the fire. Mm -hmm. But teachings like this, mm -hmm. time and time again, I go, mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. But time and time again, it goes. It's yeah, like, why? Because I never really did get it. No, because you didn't walk it. You have to practice it. You have to walk the way. It's like I explained to you the way to my house. But mm. if you never come to visit me, you're never going to know the way. It doesn't matter how many times I explain to you. Mm. And so this, in the teaching, we have, we need to get the instructions. We need to know there is a goal. We need to know there is a means to get there. Mm. But then walk. Mm. And come to Israel in December. <laughs> no, because this is a very good way to walk it. Because for one week you are doing the way there, the whole process of uh, which we are going to see in a moment. Mm. And then you will be able to put it more easily into your life. 
But only a seminar like this is not going to be enough. We have to put it into practice. We have to walk. It's nice, isn't it? It's like you're drowning and you come up for air. It's nice to come up for air, but then <laughs> you carry on drowning again. Yeah, then learn to swim. Learn to swim. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> come for some uh, swimming lessons. It's fun. In the desert. In swimming the desert. lessons in the desert. <laughs> so it was a driving lesson. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, okay, any other questions? Yes. Uh, what is the Sanskrit word for right knowledge? Uh, it will be vidya. Uh, and in a moment we're going to see the text uh, uh, okay before that avidya uh, short a is lack of or uh, the opposite so avidya no knowledge and then you take the a out you will stay with a, with vidya this is knowledge but uh, when uh, the in the text Patanjali wants to talk about it he uses a very special word we're going to meet in a moment okay any other questions okay so back to sutra 225 so, uh, if this uh, avidya disappears, then uh, we get this kaivalya, this uh, release from suffering and um, the, yeah, the aloneness, the achieving our own uh, true nature, separated from everything, separated from suffering. Uh, for those of you who are a little bit familiar with Buddhism, in Buddhism they will use the word nirvana or nibbana. It uh, depends if you use Sanskrit or Pali. But it's the same idea. It's this place that is not anymore bound by suffering or by other things. And this state can very easily be achieved. In this life only, we have to walk the way. Another sutra that talks about this uh, change of knowledge, uh, Sutra 226. It says the means of the this... Um, cessation of this uh, uh, conjunction between us and the experience or this avidya uh, resides within a serene and complete discrimination between the us and the experience and here he uses a very nice word uh, in Sanskrit called viveka viveka is the ability to distinguish between two things uh, it's like to say uh, well, this, uh, the bottle is different from the notebook. Okay? This is uh, Viveka, the ability to distinguish. So uh, we all have this ability. We all have the ability to distinguish between two things. But here we want to use it to distinguish between two very particular things. Between what? Sorry? Knowledge. Yeah, not... No. Right knowledge, and right knowledge. Yeah. So uh, the right knowledge will be the distinguishing, but between what? Us and everything us. else. Very good. Us and everything else. Else between us and the emotions, between us and the thoughts, between us and the feelings, between us and pain, between us and everything else. This is what we want to uh, learn to distinguish, and we're going to do it here in this uh, seminar. We're going to practice it, and we will see that it is not so difficult that actually when we start to investigate, when we start to look, we will see the difference. But um, to do it, we have to practice it. We have to um, develop this, um, um, this uh, we can say, gentle uh, ability to distinguish between these two specific things. And I will give a simple example. Musician, when listening to uh, some symphony, can distinguish very easily between the different notes and the different instruments. Why? 
Because he practiced a lot. What did he practice? Playing. Playing <laughs> and listening. listening. Okay, for many hours he's been listening to symphonies. He's been playing different instruments. He, his ear is used to listening to that. If I hear a symphony, <laughs> I cannot even tell what instruments are there. Uh, let alone to tell what uh, notes they are playing and if somebody is making a mistake. But I can develop this ability if I will start to listen to music a lot and to go and investigate. But I have to listen to music. If I start to look at, uh, I don't know, paintings, it's not going to help me to distinguish between uh, instrument in a symphony. So I have to be there in that world, paying attention to it, looking at it, for a long time and then I will develop this ability. So if I want to distinguish between myself and all the other things, what do I have to start looking at? Myself and all the other things, okay? And then we have to create this world. We have to like um, uh, give time to be in this space and start to look at it. And the more we look, we will look, the more we will be able to distinguish. And in the beginning, well, if I start to listen to music, in the beginning I will be able to separate between the, the very clear uh, things that are very different between the drums and the violins. I hope I will be able <laughs> to distinguish. But between the violins and the violas? Cello. Cello? Yeah? Huh? Maybe I will not be able to distinguish this only with a lot of practice. So the same will be here. In the beginning we will see that we will be able to distinguish between what is very clearly different than us. But then the more we spend time in this world, the more we investigate, we will realize that we can start to distinguish between more <laughs> subtle and subtle things until it will be clear to us the difference between us and everything else. Okay? This idea is clear? Questions? Yes, so it's a matter of practice, uh, which means that uh, in this seminar we're going to do it, but it doesn't mean that you will get the full viveka, that the full distinguish... Full distinguishment. Distinguishment? Mm -hmm. it's this word is always it's like uh, not very accurate. And the full distinguishment between these two things. But if you keep on practicing it in your home, then you will get more and more familiar and until it will be so clear that uh, you will, uh, it will be funny that in the past you were not able to see it. You know, like uh, if a musician develops the ability to, to distinguish between instruments, it's, he cannot go back. You know, every time he will listen to a symphony, he will already, he will naturally see the difference. So we will reach a point that we naturally see the difference all the time between us and everything else. But in the process, it is something that we have to develop. Any questions? Okay. So uh, this was Sutra 226. So this uh, Viveka, and he uh, says also Viveka Kyeti. Kyeti is the knowledge. The knowledge that comes from this discrimination, this is the means to go out of suffering. And then another nice Sutra that he talks the same idea, but in another way, in um, chapter 3. Sutra 49. He says like this, Only a full realization of the difference 
between the purified mind and the essential being, and we can say between the mind and us, and the awareness, uh, bestows all encompassing supremacy and knowledge. Okay, so for yoga, this knowledge of knowing the difference between us and everything else, this is like the highest knowledge you can get. And um, it uh, takes us very near to the end of the road because uh, this, is, this is the knowledge that we need to get. And when we get it, we are there very, very near. So, um, and, and also there are some sutras saying, then you don't need any more things to inquire into. If um, uh, to, to do the way out of suffering, you will not need to know more. You, you will need to know more, for example, if you want to write a thesa about something or, uh, I don't know, to investigate the life of uh, bread, for example. But in this way out of suffering, this knowledge is enough. If you have it, you, you got what you needed. There is no more things you will need to investigate. All right? So, uh, if we uh, summarize so far what we have talked about, we said... Uh, we are suffering, the suffering is unavoidable, this is our starting point. But the yoga said, there is a reason why you suffer, this is the wrong knowledge that you have. But don't worry, you can live without suffering in this world. And the way to live without suffering is to get the right knowledge. The discrimination, the distinguishment between us and all the other things. So, uh, we can look at this for truth, or this... Uh, four levels, stages of the way. Uh, a little bit through uh, like uh, Western uh, medicine eyes, which is nice and makes it very, um, very clear. Uh, when we are ill, we go to the doctor and the doctor tells us you have this disease. And so this is like the first truth to say you, you are suffering, you have this problem. And then if we went to the doctor, the doctor will tell you, but there is a reason why you have this problem, you have some kind of bacteria or whatever. So the second truth tells us, but there is a reason why you suffer, you have this wrong knowledge, you have this that is causing you these symptoms of suffering. And like this bacteria is causing me the symptoms of high fever or whatever. And then if I went to a nice doctor, he will, always t he will also tell me, but don't worry, you can get better. Okay, if he doesn't tell me this, <laughs> uh, it's a little bit of a problem. So here also the yoga tells us, but don't worry, you can get better, you can live your life without <laughs> suffering. Yeah. Um, and then what will the doctor do after he diagnosed me? Yes. Yeah, he's going to give me some description or some, how do you call it? Prescription. Prescription, Prescription for some medicine. And he's going to tell me, take this, uh, or this is going to make you better. So the same, the yoga tells us, right knowledge is going to make you better, not a problem. So now imagine you're at the doctor and he gave you all of this, and now you have the prescription. Are you healed now? Are you healthy now? No. no. Why not? You need to take the medicine. Okay, you need to take the medicine. What else? You have to be consistent with it. You have to be consistent, and first you have to buy it. Okay? Yeah. With the piece of paper, you cannot do nothing. So we have to find a place where to buy the medicine and then we have to take it on a regular basis and then we will be get better. 
So we know now that the right knowledge is the medicine, but that we know it, this is not enough to release us from suffering. Now what we have to ask is, what, which pharmacy sells right knowledge? And where do we buy right knowledge? And how to take it, how to apply it in our daily life. Yeah, the idea is clear. So now the journey, this uh, truth continues to the fifth one. Where do we get right knowledge? What is the pharmacy of right knowledge? Yoga. Huh? Inside? Hmm? Yoga? Any other ideas? By observing the nature of everything. Mm-hmm. By observing? Okay. So, uh, luckily, we all have our own pharmacy for right knowledge. This is what we call the mind. Uh, for example, in this moment, you're using the mind to get knowledge about the way of yoga. Um, so we have this instrument which we call mind that is uh, our source of knowledge. And we will, uh, to get right knowledge, all we have to do is to use the mind for investigating. So we will get the knowledge. The same like everything else that you have studied so far in your life, you always had to use the mind to study, whether it was English or bakery or whatever. Always the mind was there. Uh, you had to put your attention there. You had to be occupied in this world. And then you got the knowledge of the things. Okay? The idea is clear. So we all have our own pharmacies of knowledge. But um, the yoga tells us not in all... Uh, well, not all states of mind will bring us right knowledge. Or if I talk about the pharmacy, uh, the pharmacy has to be in, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it has to be open. It has to be working and it has to have the supplies for you to be able to buy it. A uh, closed pharmacy or a, I don't know, rundown pharmacy is not going to help you. So also the mind has to be in a certain way uh, to help us get the right knowledge. And um, you remember yesterday we talked about the different qualities of nature and the different that the mind can be in different states. It can be either very like tired or it can be very agitated or it can be clear and still. So uh, which of these three states are going to be uh, the best condition to gain right knowledge? Agitated. <laughs> it's very clear huh? that uh, we need some kind of clear mind, some kind of stable mind to get the right knowledge. And in other cases, it's not going to be very helpful. And we all experience it. Uh, for example, after a night of heavy drinking, you try to talk to a person in the morning. What are you going to tell him? Uh, yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, and shut up and don't talk to me before I have like 10 coffees and uh, I wake up. So we know that this state of mind is not at all helpful for studying uh, or for investigating. And then we all know it uh, when our mind is very agitated. I don't know if we are worried about something, if our mother is in the hospital, if uh, we have problems in relationship. We can be in a studying environment, in a, like in a class, but will we necessarily be able to observe any, any information? Not much. Okay, we will maybe have bits and pieces, but mostly we, will, uh, we can eventually go out of the class and say, uh, what was it? <laughs> what, <laughs> what did they talk about? Well, all of us know this. 
So uh, this uh, agitated state of mind is also not the best mind for investigation. So we have to first create this uh, mind that will be clear and steady. And now we can ask, uh, is, uh, what is the usual state of mind that we have? Mixed. Mixed of what? Um. Well, okay. What do you think? How is your mind mostly? Busy. Depend, no? Huh? Busy. Busy. Uh-huh. Sorry? Depend. Depends on what? Okay. I don't know. Which hmm. one are the different? On the practices, on like, uh, you know, what, what we've been doing, what we've been mm. up to. Really. Very good. Very and good. Through me, I am listening. This. I, I, this, I, this. Mm-hmm. Always with the I. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, we can see that the mind is uh, um, can have the different you know, states of mind, can be agitated, can be tired, can be focused, according to what we do. And then we will see that in our daily life, many times, because we are very easy, busy and occupied with a lot of activities, the mind is not necessarily in a point where now we can stop and investigate something very subtle. And uh, maybe those of you who tried in the past or in these days to sit for meditation, when you have a very occupied life, very busy life, and you want to sit for meditation, what will happen? You know this feeling? You just, you cannot. You know, you have this all the time urge to open the eyes, to do something, to get up. So, it is very difficult to... When the mind is uh, with a lot of movement or very dull, to sit and start to focus on something very subtle. So, some preparation is needed. Some techniques are needed to create the mind that we want for the investigation. And for me, this is something very important to understand. It's not that all the time we need to have a clear and steady mind. In our daily life, we can have mind of many different conditions. But if we want to now to uh, dedicate some time to be in this world, of us and the other things for this investigation. For this, we will need a clear and steady mind. Otherwise, we will not be able to see the fine differences between us and all the different things. So if we gave before the example of the musician, now when the musician wants to start to investigate music or to listen to a symphony, he has to make sure that he can be attentive for this one hour that he wants to be listening to the symphony. Otherwise, if he's not attentive, he's going to be just wasting one hour because he's not going to get any information there. The same for us. When we know that we want to do the investigation, now we want to take, I don't know, half an hour to investigate into the nature, the difference between us and the other thing. For this, we have to prepare the mind and make it clear and steady. Afterwards, I don't care about the state of the mind. It can be whatever it wants and it's going to change all the time according to what we do. But for the investigation, we must create a certain state of mind. Is this idea clear? Mm -hmm. So not always we have to walk with this kind of clear and steady mind. But uh, when we want to do the investigation, we need to know what to do. And then um, the Patanjali gives us a very... uh, a very defined way, a very uh, like a set of techniques that will help us to create the clear and steady mind. So uh, we can see it in Sutra, in uh, chapter number, chapter 2, Sutra 28. 
And he says, uh, through the removal of impurities, thanks to the firm establishment of the eight limbs of yoga, or eight techniques of yoga, the light of wisdom radiates until absolute discrimination comes into being. Through the removal of impurity, thanks to the firm establishment of the in the limbs of the eight limbs of yoga, the light of wisdom radiates until absolute discrimination comes into being. Uh, which means the removal of impurities. The idea is to steady the mind for not to, for it to be very dull or not very agitated. So we there is a process which is a uh, presented in the eight limbs of yoga, which we are going to go through later on. And if we do this way, we will bring the mind to a state where it can start to bring us wisdom. It can start to um, give us uh, what we called, we, we talked about, Viveka Kyati, the full discrimination or the full uh, distinguishment between us and all the other things. So there is a way or this is, uh, you know, there are a set of techniques that when we follow, we will eventually get to a state where we can investigate into the difference between us and everything else. Okay. Any questions? Okay. Um, when you say that we don't need the mind like, later, like, we need it clear for, for learning, mm -hmm. which makes sense. But then we are learning, and this is like our practice in order to use it in our daily life. The mm -hmm. idea is that our day-to-day -day life will be better and we'll be able to distinguish between ourselves and our feelings in daily situations. Mm -hmm. So I need my mind to be a bit clear then too, no? Mm -hmm. Yeah, it will, you will have the ability already to see things and then you will be able to see it also in your daily life. But in the, when we go specifically into uh, investigation in, in meditation, we want to make the mind uh, without almost any movement. So without feelings, without thoughts, without nothing. So we can start to see a little bit more deep. And then when you have this ability there, developed there, in the daily life, when there are feelings and emotions, you will already have the knowledge and then you will only have to like uh, reconfirm it, mm -hmm. but not to start to uh, investigate from the beginning. So it's a little bit different. And of course, you will see that the more the mind is troubled in the daily life, it will be harder to see the knowledge that you already have. So, um, but there are periods in this life or moments in this life that we cannot control the mind. That uh, we have, I don't know, some uh, very big uh, tragedy in the family or something happened, the mind is going to be completely overwhelmed with emotions and things like this. And then if I try to force it to be clear and steady, yeah, I'm going to miss the point. So it's better that uh, I let it be as it is and bring the knowledge that I have already to view this uh, state of mind. And if I bring the knowledge that I have already about the difference between, between me and the mind, to these um, very difficult moments in life, what will be the result? These difficult moments will not be a source of suffering. They are still going to be difficult. They are still going to be overwhelming and full of emotions, but they are not going to be a source of suffering. You understand? So it's not like we are trying to 
put the mind to sleep during the daily life. We cannot do that. Only the movements of the mind or whatever it has is not going to be a source of suffering if we use, if we view it through the knowledge that we got in our uh, meditation practice, in our investigation. Okay? Any questions? Okay. So, um, now, uh, here is a, we said there is a, we need a set of techniques to make the mind clear and steady. This uh, state of the mind, when it is clear and steady, uh, yoga calls it samadhi. Samadhi means that the mind is now in a state where it will give me right knowledge about the things. When I look at them, I will see them as they are, so I will be able to see the difference between very subtle things, like my, myself and my mind, or whatever we want to investigate there. And here is a, yeah, because maybe you have heard this word samadhi before. Many times in the yoga they talk about samadhi as being some state of a very high state for only very special individuals. But if we read the text and if we really understand the way, we realize this is not some high special state. This is actually the very normal state of our mind working well, functioning well being now uh, a, a good pharmacy, a, a, a well-working instrument to bring us a right knowledge that we need. And this is very easy to develop through the eight limbs of yoga, through the techniques that potentially offers us. The more the mind is in this state of samadhi, or that we can bring it to be in this state, not always, but in these moments that we want to investigate, what we do later is a process that uh, yoga calls samyama. Samyama means taking the mind that now is clear and steady and using it to investigate whatever we want. And then it can be applied to many things. For example, if I am a musician, I can use this clear state of mind and my ability to use it to investigate into the nature of uh, symphonies or whatever. And if I'm, I am, uh, I don't know, whatever, scientist, <laughs> if I have this clear state of mind and I can use it, I will be able to study science better. <laughs> yeah. And then, uh, <laughs> I don't know what's going on in the world, but, uh, yeah, but if... <laughs> But then the same idea of this well-functioning mind, this clear and steady mind, when I can, this samadhi mind, when I use it for samyama, for investigation, into the nature, the difference between me and uh, the other things, then I will get the knowledge that I need to be released from suffering. So this idea of samadhi and samyama, the clear state of mind and using it for investigation, can be... Um, put on everything but when I put it specifically to investigate into the difference between me and other things this is on the way to Kaivalya on the way to be released from suffering do you understand? it's like uh, if I have a car I can use it when it's working well and I know how to drive it it can take me everywhere I want and then sometimes I want to go to one place and sometimes to another and then if this another place is Kaivalya, I only have to drive the car there to get this specific kind of knowledge and I will get there. This is the idea of the preparation of the mind 
for the investigation. Any questions? Okay. And then um, um, here, um, there is a, another thing we have to understand that uh, we talked about it yesterday. Uh, to know how to reach something, some goal, some uh, uh, destination, we need to know our starting point. And our starting points can be different. Uh, sometimes our starting point is uh, a mind that is already more or less okay. But, uh, and then it's like we are nearer the, the goal. And what we need is uh, only a few techniques, very simple techniques, to make the mind a little bit more clear and then to start the investigation quite quickly. But other times, or other people can have a mind that is completely out of control. And in this case, we will need a little bit more uh, heavy-duty techniques. It uh, uh, will not be enough only these eight limbs of yoga. We will need a, a little bit more preparation for the mind to, to be. And uh, in this, there are uh, two, according to these two different starting points, there are uh, two, we can say, uh, um, um, how to say, I'm missing the word, two types, yeah, two types of yoga, two types of yoga. When uh, we start with the mind in a very horrible condition, like a destroyed pharmacy, first we have to establish it. And uh, this is what is, uh, for this, very hardcore cases, we start with what is called Hatha Yoga. Maybe you have heard this term, Hatha Yoga. Hatha Yoga uh, says uh, something very simple. It says, your mind is now not yet in a state that you can um, use it. It is in such a horrible condition that we cannot go and directly work with the mind. We, we have to work from uh, other angles first, from other things first, in order to... Uh, calm the mind a little bit so we can use it. Uh, a simple example I like to give is uh, you can imagine your mind as a horse, a wild horse. And now what you want to eventually do is to be able to use the horse, to ride the horse. This is what we want to do, to use the mind to get knowledge. But when the horse is very wild, can you sit on the horse? Can you hold the reins? If you try to do it, you're going to die, you're going to fall and you're going to hurt yourself. So when the mind is very wild, like a wild horse, we have to use techniques that are not, uh, that do not involve the mind directly, but go from other um, techniques first. So Hatha Yoga offers us to work with the body and work with the breath in order to calm the mind. In the example of the horse, it will be like uh, putting the horse inside the ranch and then leading the horse with, uh, with a rope. Not yet sitting on the horse, not yet holding the reins, but holding the horse and leading it with this uh, rope until it relaxes, until it starts to maybe listen to me better, and then I can learn how to ride it. So we, many of us, especially in the West, because the state of the mind is so bad, we start with Hatha Yoga. We start with physical practice. Uh, and you can see that during the practice, when you work with attention, when you start to do the movement with awareness, 
uh, is not only the body that is changing. What is changing also? The mind. The mind. Maybe you have felt it many times that you came into a yoga class very agitated and like this or very tired or depressed and you came out of the class a little bit more relaxed a little bit different like different state of mind so this is the idea of hatha yoga it was not meant to make you flexible or to make you uh, strong it was meant to make your mind more stable when not yet possible to uh, approach the mind directly so we use um, different postures, different uh, movements to make the mind a little bit more clear and steady. And then we use breath control. When you start to control the breath, when you start to play with the breath, uh, what happens? What changes in the system? Only the breath and the energy changes. No, not only the mind also. Because if now I want to change the pattern of my breathing, if I want to start to breathe a little bit more slow, I need to be there. I need to be concentrated on the breath. The moment my mind will go to thinking about my mother in the hospital, I will realize that I have lost the connection with the breath. So by changing the breath, we actually involve the mind, but not directly, through the breath, it, which is much more easy. And then we have changed the pattern of the breath, but actually we have started to calm the mind. This is Hatha Yoga, using the body, and the breath to change the quality of the mind. Any questions? The main text of Hatha Yoga is called Hatha Yoga Pradipika. And then there is a set of a lot of different techniques, all of them meant to balance the system or to work with the body and the breath in order to stabilize the mind. And then it says something very nice. At the end it says, uh, if you have mastered Hatha Yoga, and you have, uh, and in your mind is now a little bit more relaxed and steady, you can continue to Raja Yoga. Yeah? Raja Yoga is already this text of Patanjali, where, uh, and um, the main techniques are these eight limbs of yoga that in, later on we are going to investigate all of them. And there the main idea is the mind is already more relaxed more attentive it is not so wild if we go to the example of the horse the horse now is calm enough for you to start to ride it and then in this eight limbs of yoga uh, there is not a movement of the body there is not any special breathing techniques there is nothing of that because all this has already been done now the main technique will be what before that, meditation. It is like already riding the horse, sitting on the horse and starting to hold the reins and starting to manage the horse from top, from sitting on it. So here, we are still, we are not yet in the process of investigation. We are still preparing the mind, but we can already prepare the mind directly by sitting on it or by uh, this practice of meditation, which we are going to practice later. And then, when we do this process of Raja Yoga, then uh, eventually we will reach the state of Samadhi, of the mind being clear and steady, and we will be able to do Samyama, use it to investigate the nature, the difference of uh, the nature of ourself and all the other things. Is this idea clear? So, when we want to start to practice the way, we have to know in which... Uh, 
what is our starting point and uh, then if our starting point is the mind is very troubled or uh, very dull then start with physical practice start with a little bit of movement start with a little bit of breathing calm the mind uh, stabilize the mind and then go into meditation but if your mind is already steady and calm you can start directly with meditation prepare the samadhi state prepare the clear and steady mind or create the clear and steady mind and then go into the investigation um, and then uh, the result of the, your, the investigation will be the, the, the viveka kiyati the knowledge of the difference between us and everything else and we are going to do this also questions okay so um, this was uh, the Hatha and the Raja Yoga this uh, first steps of the way to stabilize the mind but is our goal a clear and steady mind no no what is the goal yeah. the, huh? the knowledge very good so we have to say now okay now the pharmacy is open now we have to buy the medicine we have to get the medicine but the right knowledge will only come through what is called investigation here comes uh, here we continue or proceed to what is called Niyana Yoga Niyana is wisdom Niyana Yoga means yoga of investigation here it is no longer the techniques of the body is no longer the techniques of pranayama of breathing is no longer even the techniques of stabilizing the mind of this meditation now what we do is investigation is we start to use the mind to look at the nature of things um, and only if we do this Niyana Yoga if we use the mind to get the knowledge then uh, we are advancing on the way but many times we can see especially in the West people go to yoga classes they work with the body they work with the breath maybe they even do a little bit of meditation so they have prepared all the conditions but why they what they never teach us to do the investigation so we never actually get the knowledge so we never really advance on the way to be free from suffering and this is something that is uh, lacking and um, it's like uh, what is the point it's like preparing the whole party but never you know never, yeah <laughs> never parting <laughs> so uh, you have to see that in your daily practice uh, after you have created the state of the mind for investigation you actually do the investigation and the investigation first we do on the mattress in like a labor laboratory to be able to see and then we also take it to the daily life to start to see in the daily life the difference between us and all the other things and the more we do this investigation the more knowledge we will get until we it becomes very clear the difference between us and all the other things and the more this knowledge um, the more this knowledge is um, uh, firm or established in us the less avidya we will have the less wrong knowledge and the less wrong knowledge that we'll have the less suffering and we will see it uh, changing um, like uh, slowly there will be more right knowledge and uh, more like uh, uh, and less suffering and uh, less wrong knowledge and more uh, we can say bliss uh, any questions
Okay, so we will take a break here. Um, and then when we continue, we still have to investigate in um, the last step of the way, in this uh, line of, uh, of the way. Uh, one thing is to get the knowledge, and then we still have to learn how to put it into practice. Uh, because only to have the knowledge, the, oh, I am different than my mind, for example, is not enough. We have to put it into action and start to act in this way. And we will see how this uh, new way of action connected to what we have talked about yesterday, about uh, uh, our like uh, automatic um, um, way of action, the clashes, what results from a video, remember? And all of that, but, well, let's take a break first. <laughs> okay, so 20 minutes and... What's the time, please? So, the way to Kaivalya, the way out of suffering. Uh, let's see where we are in this uh, whole process. We said the suffering is unavoidable, but there is a reason why we suffer, that we don't see the difference. We have this avidya, and then we can be without the suffering. We can be, uh, if we think about the medicine example, we can be healthy. Uh, and then the medicine is the right knowledge. If we have the right knowledge, if we can distinguish between ourselves and all the other things, then um, there will not be any avidya, any wrong association. And then if there is no wrong knowledge, then there will be no suffering. And then where we get the knowledge, this is uh, the fifth one, we have to create a clear and steady mind and investigate into the nature of ourselves and to the nature of things to start to get this uh, Viveka Keti, the knowledge of the difference. And uh, we saw that uh, this involves three types of yoga. The Hatha Yoga to first use body and, and breath in order to calm the mind. And then the Raja Yoga using the mind directly to make it uh, more clear and steady. And then the Niyana Yoga uh, helping or the methods the, of investigation already using the clear and steady mind to get the knowledge that we want. Any questions so far? So now uh, we come to the final uh, step of uh, the way. If we go back to this example of uh, our disease, uh, it is now we have uh, found the pharmacy and we bought the medicine. We got already the right knowledge. We have the medicine. But to have the medicine and to take the medicine are two different things. Uh, how many times did you buy a medicine that you never used? You know this? Yeah, it happens sometimes. We buy the medicine, but we don't really want to take it. So also here, we can get the knowledge, but we have to take, to put the effort in using it and start to uh, taking it in. Taking the knowledge in uh, is to change our actions. Um, is to start to view life through this new knowledge that we have, and it is to start to act according to the new knowledge that we have. Uh, and why does it have to come to action? Uh, because of a very simple uh, idea, or maybe two simple ideas. The knowledge that we are changing is about the nature of who we are. In the beginning, the wrong knowledge, we think that we are our feelings, emotions, ideas, that we are what we call the mind, 
uh, we are this system and because of this we suffer with everything that happens here and then uh, the knowledge that we want to change is the knowledge of the nature of ourselves to realize that we are different than all of this that we are the one that are aware of these experiences but we are not them so we can view this transformation of knowledge as transformation of identity from being identified with the mind with the feelings emotions ideas thoughts to be identified with the one who is aware of everything that the one uh, who observes the feelings emotions and thoughts but is different than them so we have to make like a shift of identity and then we have to ask ourselves how does identity uh, created our we all of us have we have different identities uh, identity is how we uh, with what we identify ourselves then how is the uh, identities are created and if we understand how identities are created we will see what is needed to help us make this final transformation of knowledge or this final transformation of identity so let's start from exploring first the identities that we have today what do you identify yourself with? Vegan. Name, age. Being oh. vegan. <clears throat> your name, your age. Your main, our name, our age. Status. Status, like what? Um, what do you mean by status? Married. Okay, married, single, our occupation. Profession. Okay, so this is, these are our identities. Um, did you need to make an effort for them to be created inside of you or to be established inside of you? No, if you see, they happen naturally. We have developed the, these uh, identities um, naturally. What helped them to develop? Why these, only these kind of identities developed and not others' identities? Why do I have the, the identity of a yoga teacher, but I don't have the identity of a musician? Why? Because it's the actions that you took. Hmm? Sorry? It's the actions that you took. Very good. Because... In my daily life, I do actions of a yoga teacher. I teach yoga, but I don't do any actions of musician. I don't play any instrument and I don't listen to music or anything like this. So, <laughs> so, so uh, we can see, in, if you check, you will see that our actions create our identities. Um, a simple example, think of two women that gave birth. One of them uh, is raising the child. One of them gave the child to adoption. Both of them are mothers. But only one of them will develop the identity of a mother. Who? The one that makes, does the actions of a mother, of taking care of the baby. Although both of them are mothers, only one will have the identity. And if you start to check your life, you will see, check, ask yourself for a moment, what are my identities? you will see that all of them are things that you do in your daily life. For example, it was said here very nicely, identity of a vegan. Yeah? I can have the idea that to be a vegan is very nice, but I'm not going to develop the identity of being a vegan unless I eat like a vegan, you know, and I don't eat meat or nothing of that or no, products from animals. So uh, we can see that our actions create our identities. So this final step of the way, has to be, has to involve actions, and our actions have to be different, um, or let's say it like this, today, uh, what, uh, 
what uh, uh, what is the quality of our actions or what do we act according to what uh, leads our actions today the identities mm, no, no the identities were created by the actions we talked about it yesterday hmm? no what uh, what directs our actions mostly naturally is the liking and not liking if uh, remember this uh, what we call the we, what we talked about the clashes we talked because we don't see the difference between us and other things we get the identity of we identify ourselves with this thing and we start to always want to have a pleasure feeling and not to have an unpleasant feeling and then this uh, decides our actions in the world for example if I'm not comfortable somewhere I will go away uh, if I am comfortable somewhere I will stay so the long uh, the more we act according to this uh, clashes or disliking and disliking we actually uh, uh, make stronger the identity with what which identity becomes stronger experience. with the experience very good with the mind with the liking and not liking with the we can say with uh, the wrong knowledge eventually we become more and more identified with what we think and what we feel because if I only do what I like and I never do what I don't like I am completely I become completely identified with my liking and disliking um, and then um, the yoga wants to tell us now in this final step of the way you have to change the way you act instead of acting be, uh, from this identity with the mind start to act uh, from the place of being aware of the mind but becoming the master of the mind no no longer uh, acting according uh, of your um, identification with the mind and how it will look very simple example uh, imagine you wake up in the morning and you have uh, the idea of uh, what's the point to go out of bed uh, what's the point in another day blah blah you you know these days sometimes we have them yeah and then if I act according to my identification with the system with my thoughts with my feeling what will be the action that I will take stay in bed okay because I completely identify with this thought what is the point in going out of bed and uh, to go out of the bed will be something very uncomfortable to do and it's much more comfortable much easier to stay in bed so this is uh, an action based on this idea of clashes and eventually we will stay in the bed if we do this again and again every time I have the thought what's the point to stay in bed uh, or what's the point in getting out of bed and I stay in the bed I will become more identified with the mind and whatever the mind will do I think is well whatever the state of the mind is my state it will be completely identified but what the yoga wants to teach us is to say okay you can be in this state where you wake up in the morning and you think what's the point in getting out of the bed what is the point in another day but now if you want to put in action the knowledge that you have that you are different from your mind that you are different from your thoughts and your feelings what will be the action that we will take? Get, Get out of bed and go to, work. Again, go to work, do my practice, do something which is useful. But it's completely 
contradictory to what the mind wants because the mind wants to stay in bed. But now I start to act from another place. From a, I, it's like I'm saying I am different than the mind. So the mind is not going to decide for me the action. I am going to decide the action. I am different than the mind. I'm going to decide the action. I'm going to decide to get out of bed even though I don't want to. And I'm going to do the practice. I'm going to go to work. In a moment, what will be the result of this kind of action? The, if you repeat it every day, it doesn't matter what the mind wants and how much it screams, I want it, I don't want it. You act from this uh, conscious place, from this uh, aware place. Uh, what will be the result? Strong identification with this place. Very good. You will become, or naturally will develop identification with being the master of the mind with being different than the mind. And this will be the final step of taking the knowledge that was first theoretical. Well, we have investigated and we got the knowledge that we are different than the mind. But now it becomes a change of identity because I, again and again I act differently than the mind. I start to have the identity that I am different than the mind. And it will be something naturally developing in us. This is uh, can you fake identity? Can a, a woman that never uh, uh, did any actions of raising a child can develop an identity of a mother? Never. And she can have the idea, I am a mother, but it will never be an identity. It will never be this spontaneous thing that, involves it, that evolves in us. The same with uh, being a yoga teacher. I can have a lot of certificates on the wall but I cannot fake the identity of a yoga teacher. This will only come naturally if I start to teach, and the more I teach, the stronger it will become. So the same here, I cannot fake this identity of I am awareness, I, or I am yeah, I'm not my mind. I can uh, walk in the world saying it again and again, and you probably, maybe you have met these people saying, I am not my mind, I am not my mind. In Buddhism, we find it a lot. It's like a slogan. It's like uh, some kind of something they have read about, something they have heard, but uh, it's not their identity because they have, when it comes into action, when, when it comes to action, they still act according to the mind. So it will only transform to be real knowledge, real identity of I am different than the mind if we start to act in this way. Then the mind does no longer uh, decides our actions, but we start to decide our action and then everything will transform in our life first the identity but in a in a moment we're going to see also the result of our actions are going to be different okay questions yes you said that uh, if i don't uh, identify with uh, the mind in the example you gave that i will get out i will decide to get out of bed uh, is that always like that? Can I just uh, uh, change the point of view from where I make the decision and still make the same decision as I would have made, as, as the mind would have made? I didn't understand the question again. I mean, no. I'm in bed mm -hmm. and I say, okay, what's the point of getting out of bed? Yes. And uh, you say that uh, if, we, if we decide, uh, if I identify with my mind, I will just, I will just decide to stay in bed. Mm -hmm. And you said that if I don't identify with the mind, and I sort of like reconsider the whole issue from a different point of view, that I will decide to get out of bed. Mm -hmm. Isn't there 
a chance that they will still decide to stay in bed. Ah, yeah. We will see that what we will decide to do from according to this new knowledge that we have, that we are different than the mind, will be the useful action. Yes, so, ah, but it's not necessarily yeah, the opposite. Yeah, exactly. Okay. So if it is a Sunday morning mm -hmm. and I can stay in bed uh, late, I will stay in bed. But if it's a working day, I, can, I will get up and mm -hmm. work. So this... Uh, yeah, this is this topic of uh, what action we choose. We are going to expand a little bit more in a moment. Yeah. Yes. It's yeah. It's pretty like, but in more general way, if if you feel you're entangled in like obligation to something that you don't like for a long time, mm -hmm. and so you like the right thing to do is to go out of bed and continue doing it, but you have like this. Tension, okay, I don't want it anymore, I want to choose uh, to something else. Mm -hmm. So this is like, it's not like oh, just this decision for mm -hmm. this day, but you also have tomorrow, and you don't feel it's going to change. So mm -hmm. it's you have the obligation against mm -hmm. what you want, like, so, you know, it's... Yeah, the more you become uh, aware, and we can say more identified with being different than the mind, you will be able to view your life better and to take bigger decisions but uh, and then if you are still obligated to 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 some kind of work mm -hmm. this will be the useful action to continue going there but at the same time you can start to do a process of changing your occupation or changing your your way of life but it will not be like uh, these people that say uh, okay i i don't come anymore and they just one day don't show up to work you know, you will do it in a very, in a in a very useful way. This transformation, and because you have developed um, this identity of being the the master of the mind or different than the mind, uh, that you will not be uh, uh, when you try to decide or think about your life and what to do. You will not be moved by fears or by what the society will think about you and all of these things. You will be able to view more clearly the conditions or the, the situation and decide what is useful for you. And you can see many people that when they try to decide their life, they actually, uh, what the most difficult part is uh, for them to work with the fears and all of this, uh, you know, that uh, what they think they should do instead of being able to look clearly at and what there is and the opportunities and the options and what is useful. So the more you work with the mind and become the master of it, you will be able to decide better according to the situation and not according to um, all this uh, inner mess that we have. You understand? Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, sometimes you, you're grasping for some, something that you know is supposed to be there, but it's still not there. Mm -hmm. you know, and then it's mm -hmm. the choice from going to like uh, the unknown and to... Mm -hmm. work with the possibilities you have, but this possibility that you want is still still is not there. Yeah. You need to create it. And Very good. You want you mangoes. It in, the, in the situation that you need to mm -hmm. work mm -hmm. and give yourself to something else yeah. that you are already in. Very good. But then you start to use this, you know, obligations in order to start to create the garden that you want. For example, you want to grow mangoes. At the moment, you don't yet have mangoes. Yeah. But... You know, if you have this clear mind, you will be able to see that mangoes are not just uh, dropping from the, the trees if you don't have a mango tree. You have to create a mango tree if you want a mango. Mm -hmm. And then if you want a, a mango tree, you have to do another set of actions that will result in the mango tree. 
So you start to follow these actions. And eventually, if you follow these actions, you will be able to get the results. But imagine that you start to work towards a mango tree, towards your mango. But uh, in the beginning, you have to do a lot of uh, very tiring work. Like, uh, you know, because the ground is very dry and you have to... This and you become tired very quickly. Mm -hmm. If you let the mind decide for you, what will happen? You stop working on the mango tree. Exactly. And then you will never get your mango tree. And not because the mango is not an option, but because you have stopped your action because the mind said, I cannot have it, I cannot take it anymore. But imagine if you are the master, you see, or you are practicing this knowledge, you see that the mind tells you, I'm tired, I don't want to do it anymore. But then you can ask yourself, well, what is the useful action? And what will be the useful action if you want mango? Continue. To continue. And then if you do this action, although the mind completely objects, but you do it, what will be the result? Two results. One, you will have the mango. And what before that? You will have the change of identity. You will realize that, oh, I am not the mind. Although the mind wants one thing, when I want another thing, I can get it. And so you, you, um, you like earn twice. You're, uh, you become, uh, you do your way out of suffering because you change the knowledge. And also... Eventually, you get the fruit of your actions. You understand? Yeah. I don't want to get too philosophical, but even like to know that you want the mango is, is something. Mm -hmm. You know? Like if you talk about freedom or whatever, this is, it's not a mango. It's like there are no... Mm -hmm. Okay, so this is what you teach now, maybe, like how to get... But yeah. it's not... Uh, like I talked yesterday with Erez, he, he likes to make bread, yeah, or he knows... So yes, now he knows. I, you know, I can tell myself I want to be right, and I write every day. But I still don't know what does it, does it mean, or if I want this or something else. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So. And then uh, yesterday we started our discussion, saying that all of us want the same thing. What was it? Want mm -hmm. to achieve good and to be out of suffering. And and today you think that oh, if you only you become a writer or a famous writer, you will achieve the good that you want. And you can, yeah, or it, this will be something good. This is, has the idea of good. And then you can become a famous writer. And what you will discover? What will you discover? Uh, that this is not enough. Because actually with becoming a famous writer, there is also still the potential for suffering. Because you have to already thinking about your next book and the expectations and the money and all of that and obligation to the publisher. And, you know, you can see that there are many writers all of them had the dream of becoming famous writers, but none of them achieved the good that they want. The same goes with bakers, the same goes with yoga teacher, goes with uh, models and singers and everything. So in the beginning we think that there are some material things in this world that will achieve us the good that we want. It's like uh, we want to reach the Everest, but we take ways that don't get to the Everest. And then we walk many ways... And all of them we have to turn back and eventually we say, okay, none of these lead to the Everest. And now if you found a way that leads you to the top of the Everest, start to walk it. And you, if you continue, you will get there. And then when you will achieve the good that you want and you will become, and you will be out of suffering, will it matter for you if you are a writer or not? No, that's what I meant. Mm -hmm. the mango is just a exactly. metaphor. Very good. But if the mango is the metaphor for being to release from suffering and achieving good, then this is very correct. But if the mango is a mango, a metaphor for something that I want, this you will realize that you have a lot of mango, but you still suffer.
And this is why the Vedas say, you can do everything you want in this world. You can, um, you know, whatever idea you have about yourself that you want to be, do it. But don't expect it to be the source of your happiness. Because it will be the source of your happiness only for a very limited time. And you, if you check your life uh, and you ask yourself, how many times did you achieve things that you wanted? Hmm? Do you remember? And you were very excited about it. That you, I don't know, accomplished your degree or you got some kind of job or you went into a new relationship and you were so excited and you thought, ah, here I can rest. How long did it last? (laughs) Before the next suffering came and the next desire came. So in one point we have to understand, okay, I can achieve all of this, but none of it is really what I want. If I, to get what I want, there is one way. Maybe there are others, but there is one very clear way and very easy way to follow that will uh, take you directly to that point. And then follow it, achieve what you want, and all the rest will be just, uh, will stop being a source of suffering. And then you become a famous writer without having the suffering of a, of a famous writer. Or you can go into relationship without the suffering of relationship. And you can go to, to do everything you want without the suffering of it because you don't depend. It doesn't become your source of happiness. It becomes your action in the world, your service in the world. It's different. Do you understand? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Any other questions? Okay. So, we are in this final way, the sixth uh, step of the way. Taking the knowledge into action. And I gave the example, we cannot continue acting according to the mind or according to the pleasures of wanting and not wanting because if this is going to be the thing that is directing our life the identity with the mind is going to stay so we have to put the effort in our daily life to start to act from the place that is different than the mind we cannot let the mind continue choosing for us if we practice if we clean the house if we shout If all of this, it cannot be the mind deciding. It has to be us deciding. And if we do this, we get this uh, uh, complete knowledge or the knowledge becomes like a a real. It becomes our identity. And then we are are free because now if my identity has transformed and I know I am different than the mind, then whatever will be in the mind, there can be suffering, sadness, happiness, depression, but I know my identity is being different than the mind, then can anything in the mind be a source of suffering? Not anymore. Okay, so this has to happen. This is why always the yoga goes eventually to what is called karma yoga. This is the fourth yoga. We had hatha yoga, raja yoga, jnana yoga, the investigation, and now putting the knowledge into action. Karma is action. Karma Yoga is starting to act according to the new knowledge that you have. And if you don't do this, doesn't matter how many texts you can quote, doesn't matter how many times you will tell to yourself, I am not the mind. If you cannot act according to that, you are not going to get the knowledge. You are not going to change your identity. This is one thing. Another very nice thing with the Karma Yoga that is going to happen because you are now no longer working from the mind and wanting, not wanting, like a baby, but there is like some grown-up responsible there starting to choose your action, you will realize that you start to get 
the result of your actions, of what you wanted to do. And if you decided to grow mangoes, you were able to go all the way and to do all the actions necessary to get the mangoes. And then when you get the mango, this is like getting bliss. This is what you wanted. You wanted to achieve good. Yeah, not only the release from suffering, because the release from suffering we get when we understand that we are different than all that is going on in the mind. But the bliss we get from life itself, from seeing our everything in our life growing. That if I wanted to be a musician, I can really be a musician. And if I wanted to, um, I don't know, to be in a relationship, I can really maintain the relationship. We can start to do everything we want or we get the result of doing all the things that we wanted because we, uh, we control our action, because we can choose our actions. And then, of course, there is still life happening, you know, and life can... Um, I can make the most wonderful garden and do all the necessary actions and then can come, I don't know, heavy rains and everything will be washed away. This is out of my control. But the things that are in my control, then I was able to do and this is why I will get the results. Um, yeah. <laughs> Talk about the, um, the mind is, I, I'm not the mind, it's mm -hmm. something separate. But this me thing is the mind part of this me mm -hmm. thing. It's, it's, I'm not the mind. The mm -hmm. mind in its complete thing is crazy and it's, mm -hmm. it's capable of doing mm -hmm. up and down. But the me mm -hmm. includes the mind, does it? Or, or no. Actually, you're, you realize in the investigation that we're going to do that you are completely different than the mind, completely different in character, in uh, characteristics, completely different. There is no actually no association between you and the mind. And if you remember the avidya, was that we associate ourselves with the mind, then we, with the investigation, we realize, oh, there is actually no association there. It is has always been separated. Mm -hmm. the, it is not the same thing. Okay. Any other questions? And then to we can see how uh, Patanjali talks about this uh, final part, the sixth part of the way, the action. Uh, a few sutras. He says uh, in uh, chapter 4, he says, For the one who distinguishes between the mind and the awareness, or between himself and the mind, the inquiry into the nature of the self ceases. Yeah, so first, for if we have done this Jnana Yoga and we have realized the difference between us, then the investigation is over, the Jnana is over. And then he says, yeah, uh, yeah. First, the investigation is over, and then he says, uh, uh, "Then, uh, as a result of this discrimination, uh, in the result of this uh, being able to distinguish between us and the mind, we move towards liberation. Why? Because we understand that we are actually always free from whatever goes on in the mind." Um, and then. This was uh, 26, and then in um, it goes to in um, chapter 4, sutra number 30. It says at this point, actions based on the kleshas are stopped. So actions based on this um, conjunction between us and the mind stop. We no longer continue 
acting according to what the mind uh, says or screams or whatever, but we start to act according to what we find useful. And this is the very, very important step on the way, as I have explained before. And then what else is going to happen? Um, let's see. Oh, and then in the Sutra 29, he says, uh, it's going to come a state of, uh, it's called the Dharma Mega Samadhi, which means uh, the cloud of uh, like a bliss or something like this. And it says, uh, this uh, cloud of uh, harmony uh, is going to come, proceeds from this realization of uh, the complete knowledge, the complete uh, change of identification between us and the mind. And there will be uh, all, um, the complete absence of expectations of further knowledge. Hmm? Uh, why there is no more expectations for anything? Anything. I don't expect from life. This is uh, one thing that uh, in this uh, Karma Yoga part, um, we don't expect the result of our actions. We act in the life, but we are not bound by the result of our actions. We have no expectation of getting the results of our actions. Why? Because there wouldn't be any satisfaction for you. Why? Because satisfaction is temporary. Right. Mm -hmm. What else? And it's not uh, guaranteed. Mm -hmm. Okay, it's even more. Very good. Whatever we can get will always be, maybe, we can be a sensation in the mind, can be a feeling of happiness or can be something, um, you know, satisfaction or things like this or success or whatever. But all of these things, I already know that they are different than me. And I am not, nothing that goes on in the system, nothing that goes on in the mind. So they say for the yogi, the yogi cannot gain and cannot lose anything. So we start to act in the world not to get stuff. Because we already have what we wanted. We wanted to be released from suffering. We wanted to achieve the good. We already have it. We are, you, we will see in our investigation that in this place that we realize our true nature, our self, our, this awareness, there is already everything that we have wished for. So we have attained everything that we wanted. And if until now our actions were always based to get, uh, to get something, I wanted fame, I wanted happiness, I wanted satisfaction, I wanted recognition, I wanted something. Now we understand that we cannot get it or lose it anyway. So our actions, they become completely different. Instead of being actions that are based on getting me something, not now I don't even want knowledge. This maybe was the last thing that I wanted. Our actions start to only be useful actions in the world. They are only uh, what we call uh, actions that we start to serve in the world, to be useful in the world. And uh, this state, uh, this step of yoga, this is the fifth yoga. We had the Hatha, Raja, Jnana, Karma Yoga, the action. And now we come to the fifth and final step of what is called Bhakti Yoga. Bhakti Yoga. Bhakti Yoga. Bhakti is like surrender. Or, um, yeah. Bhakti. B-H-A-K-T-I. Bhakti. Here, 
our actions are completely different. If until now we still try to get something, even wisdom, even change of identity by our actions, now we have already realized everything. We, have, we are already released from suffering. We don't need to gain anything else. Now we only become useful like everything else in this life. We start to uh, yeah, just like do our duty, um, being useful in this life. Uh, um, and if we look around us, of, uh, uh, we look at life around us and we ask what is the nature of life what are all living things what are all things in the world doing what is the bottle doing the cell phone, the notebook, the trees uh, the fruits, what, everything here we can see that everything here has one common thing what? Serving a yeah, very good serving a purpose of being useful the bottle is useful, this is why it is here. The notebook is useful, this is why it is here. The trees are useful. Everything that is useful is here. So, we start to just, uh, like, fulfill our purpose in this life, to be useful. Not, no longer trying to gain something out of it, but only to fulfill our purpose. And this is uh, the final way. And this is why, when we do this, we get all the... It's like we are one with life. This is why they call it like the Dharma Mega Samadhi. We get the cloud of harmony. We become in harmony with everything. Before that, we were maybe a little bit uh, selfish, a little bit uh, separated from everything, for me and mine, and I want to get something. But in this state, we are like one with, with life. We are uh, useful and serving like everything else in life. And then uh, complete harmony is there. This is the, the idea of this uh, final step. Any questions? Yes. The Hare Krishna people, they, they say what they do is bhakti yoga, do they? I think that's class. Yeah, but, but they do a low-level bhakti yoga. Ooh. <laughs> 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 yeah, what they do, this uh, bhakti yoga, is uh, a form of trying to transform the mind into something a little bit more, um, um, a, a better tool. They use it like uh, in uh, the Hatha Yoga or Raja mm. Yoga. Uh, also the karma yoga. Many times you will go to ashrams and they will tell you, tell you do karma yoga and then you sweep uh, the floor, yeah. sweep the floor, huh? Yeah, or things like this. But this is not out of knowledge. This is first to just make you uh, human, you know, just relax you, do sweep the floor. And uh, the same with this Hare Krishna, because if they were understanding the knowledge and their uh, uh, their identity they will no longer need the identity of a Hare Krishna. They will no longer need to follow this system or to dress in white or to do all the chanting and all of this. And they will become very useful in society and not something very separated from society like most of them usually are. But, yeah, well, I talk general. Maybe some of them are okay. I don't know. <laughs> 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 Any other questions? The term they use is Dharma Mega Samadhi. Yeah, it's written. nice, huh? Dharma Mega Samadhi. Yeah, yeah, it's like the, yeah, and it's like the the idea. What is Dharma? Dharma is our duty. Yeah, and the Mega Samadhi is like uh, to be, you know, with uh, everything as it is. So we become one with our purpose, and because of this, we are uh, like we are in harmony. Before that, we are still a little bit all the time. It's like not completely tuned, you know. There is always something we still want. 
and we are not uh, maybe not completely uh, with life. But the moment we start to do that, to just act in a useful way in life, not trying to get anything from it, then we see this harmony happening. And you will see that uh, in any situation, you are there with the situation trying to be helpful, trying to be useful, uh, but stopping, stop demanding something from the situation or stop demanding from other people to satisfy you or from other people to be the source of your happiness or, I don't know, appreciate your work. Um, and you can see the opposite of it when people do something and they do it only to get the, the result of it, to be appreciated, how much suffering is there and how much uh, disharmony is there. Even a mother that cooks dinner for everybody, if she's looking to get the thank you at the end, everything is not in harmony. But if she's only doing it to fulfill her, to be useful, to fulfill her dharma, then everything, the whole meal will be in much more harmony. And you can start to see, check your actions, and you will see when there is harmony and when there is not. Any other questions? Okay, and then uh, he continues saying some nice stuff. Uh, let's see. So... Uh, our actions are different now. They are not these automatic actions of wanting and not wanting. They are actions based on being useful in the situation. And then we start to be in harmony with everything. And then, let's see what else. Um, just to show you that there is an end to the, <laughs> to the, <laughs> to the way. It says, then, thanks to the infinite wisdom... This uh, change of uh, identity and everything that we have, we have completed the way. Release from the veil of impurity. Okay? We are no longer associating ourselves with anything that is different than us. Uh, what remains to be known is insignificant. Okay? We can still know many things. We can know about uh, baking, about how many legs a spider has and all of these things. But what we needed to know this already know, and all the rest is insignificant for the way, and not for if you want to yeah to to be a better baker, you need to learn more things. This is significant, but if you wanted the way out of suffering, then you have no more things to learn. All the other things are insignificant. You don't need to learn more texts. You don't need to learn more techniques, you don't need to do nothing if you have done this transformation of identity and transformation of action. Okay? Yes. Um, it's a, maybe an abstract question, I'm not sure. Um, or just me being annoying on terminology. But the knowledge, this sentence also pushed me to do ask this question. The knowledge we say that this is the knowledge, that um, uh, we need to not identify ourselves with what's with the situation, the separation. This is the knowledge. So why are we talking about achieving more knowledge? Why is there more investigation? What's going on there? There isn't. This is the end. This is exactly what he said now. After but if tomorrow when I sit down or like next week oh, or in December. No, you don't need this anymore. If you have done the investigation in the sitting, in the meditation, you have realized the difference between yourself and the mind. And then you put this knowledge into practice in your daily life in action. And you have done the shift of uh, identity. And now you completely, all the time, 100% of the time, you know who you are and you're never confused again. You don't need any technique. The, the techniques are over. Now the only thing that you do 
is no, you don't need any practice anymore. The only thing that you do is to be useful in a situation because you have realized the nature of yourself and the nature of this body and mind and you only use it to be useful. It is no longer a practice. There is no, you no longer look to gain something. You only fulfill your purpose in this life. Yeah? With action, through action. Yeah, because life is action. Yeah. Be only because of so that. So then we can talk again about like knowledge, but it's on a different level. It's just like knowledge on how to use the pen to write, because I want to write a book on how That's to nice. uh, go towards the, mm -hmm. the sea or like those, those mm -hmm. things. Yes, mm -hmm. exactly. And then you will see that if you have a pen, you will take good care of the pen. Mm -hmm. Not because the pen is, you are attached to the pen. Yeah. Only because you know that if you get take get care of the pen, the pen will be useful. Because and when you find your purpose, you can see mm -hmm. the purpose in everything else, so mm -hmm. you can be more careful and more gentle. And towards. in harmony with mm -hmm. everything. And the same with our body. I'm going to practice, I'm going to do physical movement and breathing every day. But now the idea is different. It's not to gain some clarity of mind. Now it is because I know that good conditions for the body is to do some movement. And good condition for the energy is to do some breathing. And good condition for the system is to eat well. So I'm going to do all of these things as a service for my body, as a service for my mind, but not because I need to gain something. You understand? And then we are in harmony with our system and we are in harmony with everything else. More questions? Well, with the Hatha Yoga, you do gain. You, you are doing it for some gain, yeah. knowing mm -hmm. I need to gain. I need to make some gain. I'm in a bad place, yeah. so, mm -hmm. and so I need to make some gain. Yeah. There and will be some gain from this. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then the practice that you do, the physical practice after, is it doesn't have to be yoga. It can be any movement that is good for my body. So I can only do just uh, some movement for the joints and some you know stretches and some uh, strength and this is it it's not connected to any system it's not part of the hatha yoga it is movement that is good for the body breathing that is good for the energy nutrition that is good for the system that is all like uh, yeah i don't need it's no longer the way it mm. is the life now <laughs> Uh, any other questions? Maybe you can get attached and then unattach again. You know what I mean? That you can... If, uh, the, if you have made the full transformation of identity and you know who you are, for sure, for real, you're not going to lose it. Um, if you're still in, the, in between, then of course you will see that in more difficult times, when the mind is very disturbed, then you will move towards identifying with the mind. And in uh, moments when there is uh, more uh, clarity and peaceful, you will be uh, moving towards identity with awareness. But uh, if you still have this shift, it means you still have to practice action, to act in a aware way in all instances, in every moment, you know, to, to do this uh, practice. Um, I can tell you from my own journey, for a long time I had the knowledge of I am different than the mind and the body. I had it as knowledge. But it was only that I started to act according to this knowledge that the big transformation took place. Before that it was really nice knowledge, and, but it was not, uh, it didn't influence, it, it didn't take me all the way and it didn't influence my life. On the contrary, holding this knowledge as knowledge, uh, uh, was a source of a lot of suffering 
And it was when I put it into practice, then something changed, and then I could see uh, not only my identity changing, but my actions and the fruit of my actions changing a lot. And other questions? Okay. So, and then he continues in this way, uh, saying... So we said, not much uh, more to know in the way to release from suffering. In other areas there can be a lot of learning, but not in the way of releasing from suffering and achieving the good that we want. And then Sutra number... Uh, and then he says, as a result, Sutra number 32, as the result of this, that we have become completely separated from the mind, that we have gained the full uh, knowledge. Um, he says the transformation of the gunas, the gunas were the nature of uh, the qualities of nature, which we said the thing can be as it is, or agitated, or dull. So this transformation of gunas, and I'm not going to go uh, deep into it, but according to yoga, this whole transformation of gunas, these uh, qualities of nature, this is what creates reality. And he says they stop. Because we have attained this, uh, our true nature, we have, a, and we have started to act in a useful way. We have completed, completed our purpose in this life. And uh, for yoga, uh, we can look um, uh, in this way like there are two stages. One stage of the way is to be released from suffering in this life, and then it is attainable through the process that we have said. But for uh, some uh, yogis, uh, only to be released from suffering in this life is not enough. They want to be released in li from life in general. They don't want uh, even the option of living again or to, to have life. They want to go completely out of this changing world um, from the v simple fact that they understand that uh, every time you come into life or you get a mind and body, the seed of suffering can be there. And they talk about complete, full uh, release from suffering. And then they say, it is only if we have become completely useful com in this path of bhakti yoga, only serving our purpose, then that we will not be needed again. And if we are not needed again, after we die, we are not going to get another body. But if we have not been completely useful, and there is still things that we have to accomplish, then we will get another body. For me, this part is not so important because it's starting to talk about things that we cannot check in this life and then we can start arguing if there is next life or there is not next life and blah, blah. So I'm saying it because it appears in the text and it is uh, nice to know that uh, the yoga, the complete way is to the release out of samsara. Samsara is the repetition of uh, life and death. So they want to go completely out of it, and if they become useful, they, um, if they complete the purpose, then they will not get another life. Uh, but uh, for us, I think it's enough to know that in this life, we can start to live without suffering, and our actions can be in harmony with life. Any questions about this? Yes? So Kaivalya is like the samsara in this life? Is... So, Kaivalya is the? Yeah, instead of reaching samsara and like dealing with this, Kaivalya is like the ultimate goal in this life. Yeah, Kaivalya, and then you can talk about Kaivalya in this life, 
when we are still having a mind and body, but we are already released from suffering. And you can talk about uh, Kaivalya out of samsara that we are not going to get another body and mind at right, all. Right, but this is already abstract if you're talking yeah. about yeah, Kaivalya I mean, is the... Yeah, two types of Kaivalya. In this life and uh-huh. in the uh, completely without life anymore. And is there, is there like a sort of mixed message about the mind? On one hand, it's a great tool. You need the mind in order to live, not to uh-huh. breathe, but it's also the big problem. But yeah. you need it to get out of the problem, uh-huh. to begin with, or yeah. something. Uh-huh. But you can, according to this teaching, sometimes you can, I must get rid of my mind. Mm-hmm. But, but the problem that? is not the mind, the problem is that the identification with yeah. the mind. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's yeah. not the mind is bad, but it's, it becomes a problem when we mm-hmm. think we are the mind. Yeah. The yoga always says. Yeah, um, which you do, no? uh-huh, hmm. yeah. The yoga always says uh, two things about the mind. It says the mind is the source of all our problems, but the source of all our solutions. Okay, because it is through the mind, the, the mind, the mind stuff gives us the problem, but it is through the mind that we get the knowledge that we need. So it is also the source of all the solution, and it also says the mind is a horrible master, but a very useful servant. Hmm. So when the mind is the master, when it when we identify with it and it controls our actions, then our life will be a mess because the mind is one moment is high and one moment in low, and according to this will be our actions, and we know how life looks when the mind is a master. But as a servant, as a tool for knowledge, and as a means to help me sustain my life, the mind is wonderful. But it has to be this shift of relationship, this shift of knowledge and relationship. But uh, yeah, all of us uh, journey in this life or in, in the way is using the mind. And uh, as we saw, the first part is making the mind a useful tool, then using it to get the knowledge, then using it to put the action in the world from uh, this uh, conscious action, and then we uh, get the knowledge completely. And then we are no longer, never struggling with the mind, Never doesn't matter what ideas and thoughts and emotions are in the mind, none of them is going to be a source of struggle or a source of suffering because we completely know the difference and the relationship between us. Okay? And then, let's see what else. Um, and then it says, uh, the Kaivalya, this uh, state of aloneness that we are completely separated, is when this uh, gunas or the uh, nature, the qualities of nature, uh, stop transforming, and um, then life stop to manifest. There is no longer need for another life because we have completed the journey, and uh, it is uh, when the uh, us or the pure consciousness which we are going to discover later that is us, is uh, establishing its own nature. This is the idea of this being alone. We become completely pure, completely different than anything else, no longer attached to a mind and body, uh, not, no longer getting another mind and body. And here is uh, this, um, just to understand why it, go, it has to go through um, fulfilling our purpose. Uh, for example, uh, sometimes we feel hunger. What is the purpose of hunger? To feed. To make us eat. What happens to hunger after we have eaten? It goes away. Why? Because it fulfilled its purpose. Okay. And if we didn't eat, 
what will happen to the hunger? It will come up again and again because it didn't fulfill its purpose. So the same they talk about this life of us, this human life. Say, if in this human life, if we have used this human life to do this journey, to be released from suffering, to be out of samsara, if we have used this life to do it, then we will not need another life. Then we are completely released from samsara, like there is no need for hunger again, because it has fulfilled the, the purpose. So if we have become completely useful in this life, we have done the whole way, we are not going to get another one. But if we have not uh, been completely useful, if we have not done all the way, we will get another instrument next life and another one and another one until we get it. So um, for me, it doesn't matter if this is our final round or not <laughs> in this life. Anyway, uh, every effort we do in this life towards uh, the, this goal of uh, to be out of suffering and we take the way that leads there, not all these sideways to lead to temporary relief, but we do the main way to take us there to be released of suffering and to achieve the, our purpose. Every step we get there, uh, we do in this life is something that we gain and cannot be lost. And even if we have not completed the way, then we will get a, uh, we will continue the way in our next life and like that. Um, so there is no worry. We don't need to be to rush. Only you can check in your life uh, which direction are you going. Are you going in the direction of another temporary relief, or do you also put some effort in going in the direction of complete release? And that's it. Um, <coughs> questions about this idea? So, in our next lectures, we are going to go more into the practice because this is uh, eventually what uh, I want us to do. So, we are going to start walking the way after we have talked about it. But uh, only a little bit more uh, to, to see again how potentially presents now the whole way uh, the Raja, Hatha, Jnana, Yoga, Karma, and Bhakti Yoga in very simple uh, structure. In chapter 2, Sutra number 1, he says, uh, the way of yoga, he calls it Kriya Yoga. Kriya is the, the action, the, the walk, what we do. Go through uh, three steps. The first one is called Tapas. The second one is called Svadhyaya. You don't need to remember the words. And the third one is called Ishvara Pranidana. Mm -hmm. Doesn't matter the words, the idea. The first step, tapas, means effort. What is the effort that we put? Mm -hmm. The practice of Hatha Yoga and Raja Yoga. And you will see that in this step, it takes a lot of effort. It's to wake up in the morning and go to the mattress and start to move with awareness, and start to breathe, and start to do this uh, uh, focusing attention, this practice of meditation, uh, to start to create um, the, um, the state of mind that is needed for the investigation. And there is a lot of effort there. And if we don't do this effort, we will never achieve the state of mind that is needed for the investigation. Um, if we only start, if we continue living our life like uh, drinking and smoking and just enjoying the life, uh, we will continue in this uh, sometimes a little bit suffering, a little bit uh, enjoying, but this uh, same roller coaster. If you want to start to change, if you want to start to do the way, 
the beginning has takes a lot of effort. It takes this deliberate actions of Hatha and Raja Yoga. This is the idea of tapas. And then he says the next step is Svadhyaya. Svadhyaya is self-investigation. So after we have achieved this state of mind that now is stable and clear, now we can go into inquire into the nature of ourselves and the nature of our mind. And then, the, as we said, the techniques are already the Jnana Yoga. Um, we still sit in meditation, but the effort is completely different. It's not this trying to stabilize the mind, it's looking. Now using the mind to look and to see, oh, what, what do we see? And we will realize that we all the time we see two things that are completely different than each other, and we start to get this knowledge. So this is the Svadhyaya. And then the third part, the Ishvara Pranidana, is to start to put this knowledge into action. Ishvara means uh, the source of everything, and Pranidana is to see it everywhere. So we start to see the, this um, uh, nature of ours, this awareness, this, uh, this place, uh, in everything that we look. So in the... Um, um, or everywhere that we look. In the beginning, we, when we look at life, we see life very much uh, separated. We see the things different in form, different in shape, different in ideas. We don't see the purpose behind all the things that is common, that all things are here to serve, or uh, all people are here to do good. We, we don't see the common things. We see things very, very separated. When we start to do this practice, this Ishvara Pranidana, he's actually talking about the last step, the Karma Yoga and Bhakti Yoga. We start to act in life differently. We act in life because we see everything um, from the same point of view of awareness as everything as uh, being, uh, and the purpose of everything as being useful and us being part of all of that. And this is the idea of Ishvara Pranidana. We start to put it in action. We start to live being useful, uh, fulfilling our purpose. And if we do all this way, then this is like uh, the complete way of yoga. This is how he starts the second chapter. Any questions? Okay. So, uh, I invite you uh, until our next uh, meeting to continue... Um, well, uh, maybe thinking about uh, the steps of the way and to start to see the, for example, uh, the actions, these automatic actions of the mind, how we, uh, when we want something, we do it, when we don't want something, we don't do it, start to see this and start to think, uh, play with the idea of uh, doing it opposite, uh, like, uh, okay, maybe I see that I want a cigarette, but maybe I can decide not to take it if it's not useful now. Or maybe I see that I want to stay in bed, but maybe I can uh, decide to go out. Or I want to take another plate of food, but I am full. And maybe I can decide not to take it, although the mind really wants. So start to play with this relationship between you and the mind. And tomorrow we start to put all of it in practice, and it will come, become more and more clear. And you will see that you start to walk the way, not only understanding it in theory, but doing it actually. Uh, questions? All right, then let's uh, end this session with a thank you.
Now just uh, close your eyes for a moment, bring your palms together. <clears throat> and we can say thank you for the pleasure of being here in this wonderful place and practicing and studying together. And may the result of everything that we do be for the benefit of all creation. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.